Tonight's episode of the Science Enthusiast Podcast is brought to you by the non-organic, USDA, non-GMO, MSG, LSD, FCC, and gluten-free word seller that is Food Labels. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, that that sounds very all-encompassing of the the food labels that we see, because I mean, I, I definitely i i try to i try to avoid the FCC MSG label, but whatever. It's it's really hard to distinguish these. I don't days. even know what that would look like. I, I don't I don't know either. But does it matter? I mean, do people actually know what they're buying based on these labels, or like no? Truly? And co- conveniently enough, uh, mm-hmm. Purdue University uh, recently did a study about the non-GMO project and the USDA organic labels, and found that. Uh, people don't really know what the fuck uh, the difference is between the two of them. Yeah, it but, says, <laughs> but, and, but, uh, but what? Yeah, but what are right. they willing to and, do? Mm-hmm. Well, well, this uh, study was done by <laughs> agriculture, the real like position that and thing that exists apparently, agricultural economist Jason Lusk uh, tried to figure out what people would be willing to pay for apples and granola bars with the organic versus the non-GMO label. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he found that the extra premium people were willing to pay was about the same for the two labels. And he said that that's interesting because one label is much more encompassing than the other because the non-GMO means, you know, fuck all and organic USDA yeah. organic actually has criteria that uh, is operated by the government or enforced by the government, I should say. Yeah, but it kind of shows how how little people do understand about what's in their food but how willing they are to you know play into the the marketing ploy that that fucking butterfly man that sells products and makes people pay money and apparently apparently and it's sort of sadly fascinating that people will spend more just because of that yeah, and we have people like Gary Ruskin, who, of course, is uh, one of the heads of the U.S. Right to Know, which is the uh, one, one of the groups that harass uh, public scientists who are involved in any sort of uh, food technology research. Uh, tweet, <laughs> tweeted, uh, this is November 27th, uh, tweeted, How popular is our food movement? Some congressional offices reported that they received more calls supporting GMO labeling than any other single policy issue. Politico reports and it goes to show they yeah they're angry you you did a good job of scaring the fuck out of these people but they don't know what the hell they're buying or what they're even arguing for they're just literally saying rubble 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 and we're supposed to listen to the incoherent uh screaming but it is it's it's like it's like the the voices in those south park episodes where they gather at the community center and rabble rouse because just because reasons they're just angry yeah, they're, they're just angry, and that's that's all they care about is, is getting. They they don't they don't care, and that's the problem. Is they don't care how they achieve the goal, how they get to the end of what what they want. They which is they want any GMO, any any sort of tech. Let's be honest, they want Monsanto to just go away, mm-hmm. and they they don't care how they get to it as long as they they get their goal, which is. Yeah, is is that not kind well, of fascist? Am, am I, yeah, am I wrong here? Am I off base? No, it's a it's a really strange thing because they have this end goal, right? But then it's like, what happens after that? Do they not understand the implications of demonizing biotechnology and what what could happen from that? Not just here, but you know, global implications. That if it becomes 
even more demonized than it is, are our countries in the like developing world going to want to embrace it when over here yeah. in the West, like it's become this demon. And and I I do wonder like what it say. I mean, it's hopefully it doesn't happen, but if if it does, if they somehow manage to to get. Uh, uh, genetically engineered foods off of off of shelves. Like what? What? What do they do then? Are they just unemployed now, <laughs> or they, do they, they find another? These, like they li- yeah, another yeah. boogeyman. Like what's what's the next? What's the next boogeyman for these people? And and who knows? But they're obviously they're not informing the public. They're fearing. They're making the public be afraid and then act on that fear and. There's no information being transmitted because, well, if if they went with facts and evidence, we wouldn't be having this discussion. So. Well, oddly enough, I I know someone who made a made a movie about that recently. Really? And, and I, I I think it's called Science Moms. Oh and yeah. You can check it out at sciencemoms.com. Yeah, nice, nice plug, Dad. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Oh, and and you know, while we're on that, can I? I just want to give a shout out and a thank you to um the Pittsburgh Free Thought Community who just hosted me last night for a showing and awesome discussion of the film so thank you to especially liz and jeff for making that happen um and if anybody else is interested in hosting a screening for your group hit me up on the internet yeah <laughs> <laughs> just hit me up it's, just just hit me up like you know just, just hit me up just just you have my digits <laughs> you got it all right now introduce us or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's that part. Uh, hello, and thanks for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan Broadbent, and as always, I'm joined by my beautiful and talented friend, Natalie Newell. And then I wrote subtext here, but Natalie is more than beauty. Why put so much value on her being beautiful? What if she was ugly? Would we say our ugly and talented friend? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you'd say. You'd be. You'd just be honest, you know? Because fun fact, she, she compliments, she writes the compliment herself, and then I, I just have to say it every, each week. So, you know, ne- next week, it's just going to be a, a total dig at myself. I'm going to go, I'm going to go <laughs> well, real, I'm going to go real low, and, and then we'll just see what you do with it, you know? And, and we, we probably have people who hate listen that look for sound bites like that, and I'm not going to give them, <laughs> like, there's so many other, like, legitimate things that they could try no, I, you to, know what? Try to My, I'm going to make it just so that you read the Google Doc, and you are a straight-up dick to me every episode from now on. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> you don't think so? You're going you're gonna to deter from the Google Doc? God damn it. Well... Well, I mean, I don't. I just don't think I'll read those words Fine. or or Fine. be that person be that, that, that so many think <laughs> I am. Do it. All right. Well, <laughs> whatever. Fine. I I won't try. All right. Well, why don't you um? Do you want to do you want to plug our Patreon right at the beginning here? Just yeah. Patreon.com slash TSE podcast. If you if you go and and become a patron, then you can download the show not only early. But uh, you won't have to listen to this commercial that's about to happen uh, because, I mean, we are we are whores for money. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we love doing pod science communication. Yeah. But money. But money. It's all I mean, I am. We also love money. I'm Scrooge McDuck with just coins in my basement. (laughs) I am Scrooge McDucking it after this. Yeah. And you can find that link uh, in our in the show notes uh, if you are don't want to don't want to type it out. There's also links to uh, Amazon. You can shop on Amazon without having to spend any of your own money at all, and and we get uh, I think like two percent or something 
something minuscule, but still, I mean, 2% is better than 0%. Um, also, we have uh, a new, uh, I don't know if I should say partner or do I say that? I, I don't think, know. I, I never, think you can I say never... it. I, we, we're new to all of this. So let's just, let's call it a partner for now. And if, if they <laughs> well, want to change their like status with before. us. Yeah. Oh yeah. But well, this is yeah. the thing that we do all the time. Yeah. So do the thing. Talk <laughs> right. <about> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Tinker Crate, which uh, they deliver a STEM related uh, project once a month. Uh, so you can go uh, again, go to the show notes, check it out. Uh, you can save 40% on your first order uh, with them. Uh, I haven't gotten ours yet, but I should be getting it uh, at some point this month. Uh, I don't know what it is. I know uh, it, I think last month uh, or recently they did a like a biomechanical hand where you Ooh. essentially you you know they have pre-cut wood and and some uh, sticky foam type things and strings and then you uh, make a hand that kind of extends off of your own and you can adjust like how how much it how much it grasps and, and all those different things and which is my was watching it with my six year old today and he said that's cool I want to make that and I'm like well this is kind of like what we'll get we'll get stuff like this but you don't understand that we're gonna get something different and now uh, long story short he thinks we're getting a hand well uh, in the mail you know what kids so. kids can deal with disappointment or learn to so <laughs> but sorry yeah, they also have <laughs> they also have like a like a bubble machine Ooh, uh, they had an that's infinity awesome. mirror. Uh, that they made too. So yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of cool stuff. So check that out uh, in our show notes, and we will be right back after a quick break. All right, so it is time for our new god of the week. So. This week's god of the week is the Finnish air goddess, Ilmatar. And again, every week, I don't know how to say these words, so we're just going to pretend that I do. Um, So in the beginning, in the beginning of time, this is a creation story sort of, there was only the void and Ilmatar and the wind. And while, you know, I sometimes wish that existence consisted just of myself and the void I wouldn't really. How can you have? I don't, how can you have nothing and have wind? Wind. Dan, is, you could have. You could have nothing and everything, and who knows? It's a god story. Does anything make sense ever? No. So, roll, roll with is me. The particles. Roll with me. The it, like it's a windy void. It's a windy void. I I don't know. I'm it's gas bumping into you. I don't. Essentially. I don't know. I don't know the science of of it's the Finnish pressure, air high, world areas of stuff. high pressure and low pressure, and they want to equalize, and so now they're they're moving well, around. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen here. Okay, so so here's here's this air goddess Ilmatar. Um, she was lonely. She was bored, and the east wind felt that she was that you know. Lady Again, how, how do we have directions here if we have nothing? Know. We have the void. We have nothing. I don't know. It, it's a di- it's a directional so void. There's a lot of problems with everything. So <laughs> so we're just gonna suspend suspend all like sense of reality because the east wind basically decided I'm gonna I'm gonna bang her, and so <laughs> what? <laughs> so listen. So so there's some you know like some. <laughs> windy like tempestuous lovemaking i guess and as it happened <laughs> as it happened ilvatar ends up conceiving a child from wind sperm the wind from wind sperm <laughs> so, so the thing is listen this is we're getting super sciencey here 
obviously what we I'm trying to take this seriously. I'm, take I, it seriously, Broadbent. Come on, come on. It's like you're at school or something. <laughs> the thing is, like, the gestational period for a child of the wind seems to be a really fucking long time because poor Ilmatar waits for seven centuries for the little dude to make an appearance, and he doesn't. So she's giving up hope. She's super bummed out. She looks up into the sky and she sees a big pregnant eagle flying overhead. Just. Just bear with me, because now there's an eagle in the void. The void gave birth to an eagle at some point. I don't know, over those 700 years, what happened. But the bird was looking for a place to land and unload all these eggs. So Ilmatar is like, hey, come land on my knee. Um, <laughs> I just can't believe I'm saying these words in sentences. Um, the eagle lands, lays a bunch of eggs, including one made of iron, because why not? Um, things get a little tricky for Ilmatar here because she's got all these cosmic eagle eggs on her knee and all she just wants to do is stretch out her leg. Like she's stuck. Well, in, so in fun fact about, about the iron, that iron has to, would have had to have been made in, in the center of a star. And once a yeah. star, star starts fusing iron together, that's what kills a star and makes it, makes it go Nova, uh, or supernova because it doesn't, it doesn't have enough energy or force to actually uh, fuse uh, elements higher are than you, iron. Are you so sciencing? That's, that's, are you sciencing my God story? I, because I'm sorry. Th- yeah, I know I'm those sorry. two things just do not mix. Um, so she does. So she decides to stretch out her legs, and when she does this, a bunch of the eggs just roll off into the sea because clearly there's there's a sea at this point. There's, there's a, a sea at this now. point. There's stu- just... stuff. Stuff. <laughs> just just roll with me. Um, so what happens next <laughs> is just magic because none of none of what happened before is magical. Um, Ilmatar essentially makes like the cosmic version of an omelet. Eggs are cracking all over and, <laughs> and becoming <laughs> becoming the earth, the ocean, the sky, the little bits of eggshell turn into the stars. Okay? So Ilmatar looks around at her beautiful accidental creation and she feels all in awe of this like super rad thing that happened. And in that moment, something stirred inside her. That child of the wind decided to wake up and make an appearance to just take in this new world and happy ending i guess that's it like that's it i guess the whole world lived happily ever after until we all destroyed it and turned it into this dumpster well, yeah, fire and, and one of the one of the egg yolks turned into the 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 star <laughs> or turned into the sun yeah uh, another one became uh, the whites of of uh, the egg became the moon yeah. Duh. Uh, stars were the the eggshells and and it so it uh, goes as it, as the as story it goes. goes thus the world was formed and, yeah um, and so it began. It makes a hell of a lot more sense than the Big Bang. I, right. I just have I, yeah. to say. Yeah. So um so that so that's a story, guys, that I found on the internet. And it is probably true because I found it on the internet. Just as James Ball <laughs> will tell us in the interview that everything you find on the internet is true. We'll be back soon. But also you may be wondering what happened to to the iron egg, uh and the the yolk, which of course was black because it's iron. Yeah apparently yeah. uh became a thundercloud and that egg didn't have a white because you can't have a black white so fun fact you can't fun, have a black white fact. so if there's anything you take away from this episode you can't have a black white This afternoon, we are thrilled to be joined by James Ball. James is a journalist with BuzzFeed UK. 
and has formerly worked for The Guardian. His book, Post-Truth, How Bullshit Conquered the World, is out now. And see, I have a copy right here because I read it. Um, So you might as well go pick it up as soon as the podcast is over to help you navigate the Trump-Brexit bullshit world we're living in. So, um, James, (laughs) thank you for joining us today. It's nice to see you over the computer. Again, we met at QED um, last month at the bar. We did indeed. And thank you very much for having me, guys. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, So for anybody that is listening that was at QED, you know that James gave an awesome talk there. And when I heard you, I'm like, we have to have him on the show because just because of your topic of choice, because this is um, the world we live in. Like today, I I sent you a Trump tweet, which I had to I had to check a couple times to see if it was real or not. Um, you know, for anybody that's listening, you've probably also heard I, this from. Wait, I do you know? Have you heard it yet? Because I'm going to read not. it to you guys to get started. So I'm just going to read. <sighs> Jesus, the, this is just this is the state of things, guys. Um, so we should have a contest as to which of the networks plus CNN and not including Fox <laughs> is the most dishonest, corrupt, shh, or distorted in its political coverage of your favorite president, parentheses, me. They are all bad. <laughs> Winner to receive. Hold on. Hold on. Shush. This is the best. Oh, my God. See, this is, Winner this to is the problem with 280 the, characters. Winner to receive the in caps fake news trophy. So, guys, James, what do you think? Where are we? So what is this world? In a previous life, I used to run fact-checking blogs. Um, that that treat is a you know rich and diverse field to start in. Like uh-huh. you guys run a science podcast, and so I'm sure you have a lot to say about you know when you set your scope of field to say not Fox News. So, like, yeah. why is he? Why would you leave them out? Are you leaving them out because they're beyond reproach? Are you leaving them out because they definitely lose um, in an impartial way? I would leave both options on the table. But there's this sort of also the the art in that tweet. The thing that would make you suspect it's totally fake is the brackets me, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> Is he just yep. assuming he is automatically the favourite of all current and former presidents? Because, you know, I mean, obviously polls are fake news, but I've I've looked yeah. at them lately and he's he's not quite at the top of the 45 presidents of the US. Um, <laughs> or is he, you know, maybe making... <laughs> One could even make a compelling argument. <laughs> modest the claim to be <laughs> the favourite of all current u.s presidents because that would at least fact check out at tree but i mean there's so much wrong with the tweet this is the thing you can only make jokes about it you can only pick holes um if you actually start to accept it as something the president of the united states says it gets really difficult because that's kind of him telling you the u.s media which it's a pretty good media for all that it has flaws is fake news and asking you to back it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the fact that, I mean, don't you think that there will be probably, I was, I was going to say chapters of books, but will there just be books written about Trump's Twitter and how he has sort of 
made social media his place to declare all this well see I, f- I feel like this particular tweet invalidates itself if we're, if we're going fact checking because which of the networks plus cnn well cnn is a network so you've already contradicted yourself so i'm done reading i'm done reading and thinking about it and trying to analyze this because i don't want to have a brain aneurysm tonight <laughs> but trump's never going to aim at you with a tweet that's just going to remind everyone hey guys everything you see that isn't my twitter feed is fake news and if you weren't signed up to that by now, you're not going to change your mind. What's kind of scary for me and like what I tried to make the book about was how you can quite early on make fact checkers and people who nitpick and people who check details, uh, which I like to call, you know, the news media. Um, <laughs> you can make them irrelevant by just writing us out so early in the train. Like to be on side with Trump now, you have to have given up on, you know, the idea of objective truth quite a long time ago. Well, yeah, that's the thing, because you are you're just accepting his ver- version of the truth, right? If you're bought into him. And so the extent to which that goes is really interesting. And so one of the examples I look at in the book, and this for me is interesting because it isn't important. Like, Are you going to talk about the inauguration? I'm going to call it, talk about the inauguration. So Awesome. Okay, perfect. It is totally okay for Trump to draw a fairly small inauguration crowd. Like, in all mm. honesty, you can love Trump or hate Trump. If he gets a small crowd, that's not a big deal. Obama got a huge crowd because, you know, his first election was unprecedented. He was the first non-white president to be elected there was this massive movement around it and it was a movement of states that are all quite near dc so you would expect him to get a big crowd it's just his fans live near there whereas for trump his he he became president he may not have won the majority of votes he may not have won a bunch of stuff but quite a lot of people in america went and cast a ballot but not nearly so many who lived right by DC. You would expect him to get a smaller crowd. There is no shame in that. And like Democrats should acknowledge it's not embarrassing if Trump gets a smaller crowd than Obama. I can totally see why you would tweet it was funny if, if, you, if you're that. But what he did instead was kind of, you had aerial photographic evidence that Trump had smaller crowds than Obama. And what Trump then did was make his press secretary do his first briefing impromptu, going out and telling the press something that was absolutely visually untrue and that they were never going to believe. I mean, people will run all sorts of things. People will run but her emails. People will run Benghazi. People will run whatever the heck. They won't take two identical photos and say this crowd is the wrong size. But the thing I was trying to get to was YouGov ran a pretty smart poll um, about a week after the inauguration. And they just asked people to look at two photos. And it was two photos of inauguration crowds. And one was the obviously bigger Obama crowd but wasn't labeled, and the other was Trump's crowd. And they asked them to say which was bigger. 
and around one in six Republican voters looking at the two photos without a caption, without them meaning anything, said that the Trump crowd was bigger. Which tells you not only one, were they paying attention, but two, they were quite literally willing to say that black was white, like to say that Mm -hmm. something patently untrue was the case because they knew that was the right answer for Donald Trump. And, you know, one in six, at least it's not five in six, but that's a good chunk of a a (laughs) nation. And for something that that doesn't matter, I think I've just turned my camera off, haven't I? That's all right. You can keep keep going. So, you just keep talking. So I, there, I think I'm back. So I have a cat on the keyboard. Cool. There you I'm are. <laughs> cat, cat on the keyboard. It's we, a thing that we happens. We support that. <laughs> I feel like I have to stress, the cat is not fake news. She does exist. She is right here. The, cat is, the cat's real. <laughs> so, so yes, this is, this is sort of my issue. It's like on the lowest stakes issue, on something that couldn't matter less, people will <laughs> right. say something that isn't true. People will deny the evidence of their own eyes. And I don't like to be an overdramatic George Orwell kind of guy, but when you hit that stage, you know you've got a problem. And we're only kind of 11 months into a George Trump, uh, George Trump, Donald Trump presidency. And, yeah. you know, there is, in theory at least, at least another three years to go of it. And we kind of need a truth to come back to. We need to agree on things. And I think it's got really difficult in political America, a lot like in the UK, which is obviously, as people I'm sure can tell by my accent, my actual expertise, um, like it's really hard to agree on a little shared set, set of facts. And that's what worries me. And that's what worries me about bullshit. And that's what worries me about Trump. Well, the fact that we're talking about just even the idea of agreeing on facts. Yeah. A fact, a fact should be a piece of information that is backed up by evidence that we all just know to be true. A picture with more people is the picture that has more people. Exactly. But... But for, yeah, for people to suspend reality and fact and just say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the story I'm supposed to go with. That's scary. It's the, the fact that people that are, they're just so willing, like you said. It's, it's not, it. it's, I mean, it, it's a lot like what's going on with Roy Moore. Like they don't care that he's accused of these things, that he's just not, he's on their side. And that, I mean, and that's to, to even that extent, that's what how many uh, on the right view Trump is, well, he's an idiot, but he's a useful idiot. And at least he's on our side and he's popular and we're going to go with that. Yeah. um, I I mean, I would never draw an equivalence between individual cases, but we all are a little guilty of changing the prominence of facts for people, depending on whether we otherwise like them or not. Um, You know, we may have different views of what we know about Donald Trump and women versus what we know about Bill Clinton and women based on what we think of the two of them. I think someone like Roy Moore, if you listen to the allegations and you believe women, which I I do, is off the charts and so is different, I think. Um, 
but we, we will change the prominence of facts. But the other thing is most facts don't work like photographs. It's not just a case of more people or fewer people. You know, you can look at something like America has pretty terrible life expectancy. Uh, you guys pay the most per capita for healthcare in the world, and you have very, very average life expectancy. Um, the UK is kind of known for having bad life expectancy in Europe, um, but ours is better than yours, and we spend way less on healthcare. Um, and this is what worries me much more broadly. If we can't agree on the, the most people in the photograph, we might at least agree that America has a lower life expectancy than the UK. But then what do we say that means? Does that mean there is a problem with the insurance model of health? Does that mean that, you know, uninsured people have a problem? Or does that mean, as some people will argue, it's about gang violence and if we just dealt with that, it would be fine. Some people will insist it's guns. Some people will insist it's all sorts of things. And facts are really the start of a conversation. They're never how you get to an answer because you then have to decide what caused the fact and what a fact means. And so what kind of really startled me with America and kind of startled me enough to write the book um, was that kind of inauguration thing of when you can't agree on the facts, that's not the end of the conversation. That's where the argument starts. And like, if we can't start the argument, how do we ever kind of come to a proper agreement on how to make policy and how to do things to help stuff? Please do not show everyone your butt. But, <laughs> but, and, but it's like it's like the current answer is, yeah, that's a problem. And right now people just aren't coming to that understanding of starting from the right place with the facts it seems like yeah and um, i wonder if we're kind of also angry at each other that we've stopped trying to like change a mind um and like say i'm i'm in a country that's incredibly angry with itself about um our vote to leave the <laughs> eu like yeah. we're super yeah. cross um people who voted to leave the eu think that everyone who said no let's stay is now just trying to undermine this once in a generation kind of thing. We're talking the country down, we're being unpatriotic, we're sort of doing all of that kind of stuff. And people who voted to stay kind of think, I mean, the general narrative there is people were tricked. They had no idea what they were actually voting for. They were told it would just make things yeah. better. But the issue is, Remain voters are talking to each other. We're saying how bad it was that the country was tricked into voting to Brexit. Leave voters, we're all saying to each other there, look, we have to get on with this. We made a decision. It was a democratic referendum. We need to do it. And people need to stop talking the UK down all the time. No one is trying to cross <laughs> the divide. No one is trying to go, hang on, you voted leave. Hey, Here's maybe, if you'd have known this, would have you done that? And like, why did you vote leave? Oh, was it because of that? I probably would have voted leave in that situation, but had you heard this? Because yeah. you only change your mind if you start from, hey, the thing you did wasn't dumb. 
like there is good research or is good evidence on how you persuade people and shouting at them and waiting for them to tell you oh yes i'm wrong has never really scored well on it no um no and so you're you're saying like rational dialogue might be productive yeah, and like treating the person that you talk to as someone who might have made a decision that they're happy with um even if yeah. to you it's totally alien and it feels a lot like the moment in the UK, like we are in a situation where remain people talk to remain people, leave us talk to leave. And in the US, and let's not forget, you know, we talk about red and blue states. I don't think, I don't know the details, I haven't looked them up for this, but there aren't many states that are past 60-40 in terms of how they vote for presidential candidates. And so that means, you know, even in, you know, New York or California, for every three people you see, one of them voted Trump. Um, and like, yeah. we don't talk like that's the case. We talk like everyone we know went one way. And I think... But that's not yeah, true. Everyone yeah. likes to blame the other side for the polarisation, the misinformation, the fact that we don't try and talk each other around. But what scares me about the world at the moment and the fake news and the shouting and the kind of everything being quite intense every day is where we're all firing each other up we're all like backing our own side we're not doing very much to try and win the argument anymore there there's a lot of provocation it feels like yeah. sometimes out in the world i mean you you have even um i mean when i i put a post on facebook kind of asking if people had any ideas of what they wanted us to talk about with you and marsh um actually brought up just the idea of somebody like milo yiannopoulos like existing just to be a <laughs> provocateur or something i mean that this is part of the world that we live in with people who exist to be provocative yeah so I'm so I, I really, I appreciated your your work on him in the book. And so can you talk a little bit about him, like the idea of somebody like that and just how people fire people up for whatever reason or no um, reason? So, so yeah, I, I am by temperament one of these people who will kind of, when something happens, try and say, hang on, why might someone do that? What's the reasons? Why might someone believe that? Even if I disagree with it, it's like, why might they do that other than they are just a bad person? So, you know, if you are scrapping inheritance tax, uh, estate tax for you guys, isn't it? So like, yeah. obviously I know I could just go on a show and go, they are doing this to build a new aristocracy. They want to make sure that working Americans can never rise up again, that we they want to kill the American dream by... and you know, that's going to get ad dollars, that's going to get some money. But the people who are actually advocating the argument don't believe that. They're doing it for a different reason. The problem is with social media, with the internet, with just how we all work, it's much grabbier to do the version of the story with heroes and villains. And I have a certain amount of time for people who at least see the world in that way. I don't know if it's helpful, but if it's honest, that has some virtue to it. Yeah. The danger is this system is very, very gameable by people who don't believe in very much 
but want to get a huge audience, who want to get some attention, who want to get this kind of stuff. And what's interesting from a British perspective and from the perspective of a British journalist is we knew Milo Yiannopoulos long before you guys in the US had heard of him. And my rough read and what I hope I get at in the book is he doesn't particularly believe in anything except Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, which isn't even his (laughs) real name. And this was essentially a guy who would say whatever in any situation to try and advance himself. And so Milo has at various points given false information about his name. Um, He's been called Milo Hanrahan, which is what he was born as. He's been called Milo Andreas Wagner, um, which was sort of the name he started in journalism on. And then he moved to Yiannopoulos. Um, He has been born in either Athens or the UK. Uh, He either does or doesn't speak German. Um, He has changed his age several times from between two years below and two years above his actual age. Um, He at one point was going to get married, then didn't. Uh, He tried to offer tickets to a birthday party for £275 a head. Um, I'm told no one paid. Um, He (laughs) sort of founded a journalism startup saying that he had funding for it, hired a lot of people on generous sounding salaries, and then the whole thing never actually had the backing. And so he got taken to court for unpaid salary um, and got a judgment against him, at which point this company, which supposedly had a lot of backing, went bankrupt. Um, he has individual court judgments against him. He's been left-wing, right-wing, pro-gay marriage, anti-gay marriage. He's been Catholic. He's been Jewish. And the thing is, people like this are almost a flaw in the system. Um, to call Milo sort of an ideologue or someone who's pushing a particular idea almost gives him too much credit. I don't think he believes in the ideas of the kind of alt-right or the fascist right. I don't think he's sort of signed up to any of it. It's whatever will get make you look at him in a given moment. And I think that's the harder narrative. It's a lot easier if he's a sort of pantomime Nazi. But he's just an opportunist who's cashed in on these guys, but who would cash in on anyone else. Yeah. I mean, if Milo turned around tomorrow and said he'd seen the light and the error of his ways, a lot of places would run it. Like, I could see MSNBC giving him an interview. I could see other places doing it. I don't. Yeah, I don't see anyone who, who wouldn't yeah. do it because it's going to get people to watch but it. That means at some point he'll definitely do it. It's an obvious move. Um, right. And so... Because he, he is sort of a charlatan person, like snake oil salesman, just doing what he needs to do yeah. for himself. And there's a few of those around the place who will just proclaim any ideology and run for any cause. Um, and of course, there are people who genuinely believe the things that they say, but that's also what's interesting about these snake oil merchants, is, you know, to jump on that that as a, a good term for them it's they know they're playing like milo would never kind of wait in a back alley and beat someone up 
wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't sort of firebomb a house. But people who take him seriously and then read more and do more and see more from more extreme sources than him could be radicalized into doing that kind of stuff. And that might not be his intention at all, yeah. but just because someone's possibly a charlatan or possibly a snake oil merchant and doesn't believe what they're saying, they're sort of joking and they think everyone else is in on the joke, doesn't mean they're not dangerous. And that's a very kind of 2017 atmosphere. And it sometimes feels like it reflects slightly on things Donald Trump does. Yeah, I mean, you, um, in the book at one point, it, you just, the sentence was something like, that social media weaponizes bullshit. And it, it just kind of <laughs> does. And I mean, I feel like that, just that s small sentence, that concept is sadly yeah. true. And people can take from whatever source they want, credible or not, and do with it whatever. So it it's like the wild west out there the internet so i do like to try and be pro internet um you know mm -hmm. sometimes yeah um and like when people talk about the filter bub bubble i think they've got the wrong idea so an example i like to talk about is just thinking about 30 40 years ago and if you lived in a small town um, especially in the UK where we have like really political papers. Um, you know, our papers are kind of like US cable news. You know, the Daily Mail would be Fox. You might have something like the Independent, which would be MSNBC. Uh, these are very loose analogies that would offend everyone concerned, but I'll stick with them. <laughs> um, but if you live in a village in southeast England, it will be quite rich. It will be almost entirely white. It will be pretty middle class. Everyone will commute to London for work. And so everyone is kind of of your income group, of your race. They're mostly straight. They're mostly your age. And you would be buying one newspaper a day, which means one version of the truth. If you're on social media now, even if you're in kind of the worst filter bubbles, you'll at least read three or four different news sites and you might have some other stuff shared in. And so overall, I think the weird and difficult truth is we're probably better informed and more aware of what each other thinks as we ever have been. But it's that ability for total bullshit to go viral to reach a huge crowd for and there being no similar transmission method to reach the same people again and say that wasn't true if you have a massive tv broadcast uh that is you know in the news segment at 6 p.m and it's false the next day if you go on air and say hey yesterday what we said wasn't true. We're really sorry. We won't do it again. You hit maybe the same people. You might miss a few. You might, you know, the big claim might get 5 million and the next one gets three. But you've got to hit a lot of the same crowd. 
if you do that on Facebook now, if you do that on Twitter, if you do that on any kind of social channel, even on your own website, you might reach 1 million, 2 million, 10 million if it goes viral enough. And even if you correct it, and lots of places now just correct by fixing the story, they don't say, hey, we got it wrong. <laughs> they just pretend they never got it wrong and run the correct version. But it's way too late. It might be 100,000 that see that. It might be 50,000. It might be less. And so we have no way of reaching the people we misinform with the accurate information. And that's why I worry about weaponizing. Like the grabby false story goes huge. And when you get the right stuff, it's a lot harder to reach the people you misinformed. And nothing on the social networks, nothing on anywhere else gives you a way to fix it. Yeah, I mean, and that's and the question that seemed to come up when, you know, I solicited questions from listeners and friends really is all that being said, how do we navigate this? How do we help like younger people navigate this? It's a whole new way of learning about dealing with the world than when we were. I mean, this was not a thing. I'm 34. This was like I wasn't sifting through news and fake news and stuff when yeah, I was no, in high like school. It was just, no. So so it's like, what do we do with this? And how do we help, you know, the because that's always kind of in the back of my mind too as a parent, and I'm sure for Dan too, is how do we help the next people coming up know how to deal with all of this a my, little better? Too? My plan currently is to curl up in a ball and cry. Okay. So, so. That, that's one way. You just, you can curl up in a ball and cry. And then... For the rest I mean, to of be us, honest, like, that's one do? of the better plans I've heard. Um, I, I, right? That's, awesome. He's, he's, he's awesome. got See? it. He's got I something. See? Yeah. Dad wins. <laughs> I have many great ideas. The best, bigly. Like, yeah, find find some cats and crawl up in a ball with. Ooh, some cats I didn't even see my see. We're already improving on my idea, though. I like that. So, I yeah, like so it. welcome I know. to how I live. Done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the James Ball story. Never knew this would be so autobiographical. Um, but there's, there's kind of a couple of things on this. And I think one thing is I really like to stress there is a rule for ourselves and there is no time at which you don't become someone who can fall for either, you know, it's easy to talk about a false news story or fake news, but also maybe you're falling for something that's hyped. Maybe you're falling for a bad version of the truth. Um, you know, and fake news doesn't just happen to Republicans or to Brexiteers. It happens to everyone. Um, you know, lots and lots of people believe that Trump once said if he ever ran as president, he would run as a Republican because they have the dumbest voters. Right. He never said that. Right. Um, like the meme is really convincing. It looks like it's a subtitle on a TV show, but he didn't say it. And... No, I, I would hope, like, it's it's part of my job to sift true and false information. I spent a year writing about fake news and how we fall for it. I still fall for it. And so, like, things that we can do for ourselves is go, we will all sometimes fall for fake news. There will be fake news targeted at us. And, like, the one big self-check we can do 
because like I, you know, it's a bit like on an airplane. You know, if um, if you're losing oxygen, you put your own mask on first, and then look to everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. the version yeah. of that is count to five before you share anything ever. And in the time you count to five, hopefully, what will come up in your head is, what's the source of this story? Is it something I trust? Is it a site I've never heard of? Um, have I actually clicked through and read the story or am I about to share off a headline because I might be about to make a really clever and snarky point that's right in the story? Um, have I checked that the apparent source is the real source? Have I maybe searched this story with either fake news, false or often Snopes and I'm not elevating Snopes as the be all and end all authority i've found them a reliable site i like them but they're also often the fact checking autocomplete and you know good on them for that um that five seconds just pause where your head kicks in will save you from sharing so many either false or overhyped stories and if we the more people we can persuade to do that the better like that is a good start but i like that you both kind of were talking about what you can do for the next generation because i think it's really tempting just to try and go don't believe this bad kind of political story you know if if you're of a certain political opinion you might try to say don't believe that immigrants when they come take your jobs because that's not how immigration and you 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 want to jump on the issue we have yeah. robots to worry about for that I, anyway. Yeah. So. Yes, although <laughs> once 98% of us worked in agriculture and I would be a rubbish farmer and I know that because I grew up on a farm. Um, so, <laughs> like, I, I am less worried about robots than a lot of other people, but I'm probably wrong about that. And we shouldn't believe me on robots because <laughs> I'm not a reliable source. But... <laughs> You're not a reliable source on robots. We'll just put it out there. I'm not right about robots. Okay. I just called myself fake news. Well done, me. But the key thing is, don't pick an issue. (laughs) Don't pick a story. It's teaching critical thinking. It's this sense of how do you know that? Why do you know that? How is this person trying to convince you of this? Are they giving you an actual argument or are they telling you, I know more than you because I'm older? which is a lot easier to say is a bad argument when you're an uncle to people, as I am, than if you're a parent, as I'm sure you have to rely on that sometimes. But, you know, teaching a kid critical thinking when you have to parent them, I'm sure is a nightmare. But it's that skill set, it's that tool set. And what's amazing is when you look at toddlers, they're born with the skill set. Like the endless but why, but why, but why? And they always hit one level past. You're like, oh, that's a really easy question. Why are you asking me this? You're boring me. You're bo-. And then you suddenly hit a kind of extra, but why? And it's like, I don't know the answer to this one. And, you know, kids are kind of born skeptics. They're born critical thinkers. And if we can try and kind of teach them some stuff about, you know, I think correlation and causation are good things. I think understanding statistics, but in a really casual way, 
um, things I think is really are really good to know is what's a big number? Like, you know, in the course of my personal budget, a hundred pounds is a big number. In the course of a nation's budget, is a hundred million big? No. And being able to help people think in that way, like none of this actually requires you to be good at math. None of this requires you to be good at much, really. And if you're used to these ideas young, you're going to be so scarily hard to fool. And, like, that must be the awesome thing about parenting. Like, a lot of what you need to deal with this is stuff we could we could teach if we only had a bit more imagination. And, and yeah, and you, it's... It's about not necessarily telling them what they need to know, but how they need to, you know, learn to experience exactly. the world and think about things. So it's it's that process of learning and discovery and thinking and not just, I'm going to just give you this stuff that I think you should know because yeah. we're different people. Are we, and I mean, I, are I, we I, talking <laughs> about religion now or are we talking about... Critical thinking. I'm, but, uh, I'm, I'm a yeah, little, all, little it, confused. It's all, it's all oh, kinda, it's all the same. All okay. kind of the same. But, so see, we're saying, but that's, but that's what it is. It's it, these translatable skills think. that it's you like know can be applied to, to your thinking. It's yes. that, hey, I believe this. Yeah. But am I yes. right? And if you can add that, but am I right to someone, mm-hmm. and give them some good tools to check it, <laughs> then hopefully, hopefully you'll fall down on the same side of the argument. But if you don't at least I've got to have a really well-argued case against you. That's a start. Yeah. Yeah. It's So it's, it's that, like, providing the critical thinking toolbox to younger people so that they can kind of go out and navigate the world because th- there's a lot of bullshit now, and I don't no. think that that's going to just like, stop overnight. And, so and I think we, that's we the need kind to help thing, them. Like learning how to teach these skills and not just say, hey, here are the right opinions, please have them, please. Uh, but here's, yeah. how, here's how to look at the world, here's <laughs> how to test your own opinions, here's how not yeah. to be tricked. Like a toolbox rather than like yeah. a set of views. That's the long-term plan. The thing we can do to help ourselves in any given moment, like the super short-term plan, is count to five. I, I really should give that some more inspirational name, but seriously, camp five. And then the middle term term one is like trying to no, I, yeah. look at and think about the economics of the internet and the politics of the internet a bit. And, you know, I I tend to think of things like Facebook ads. You know, in the US, you can't limit ad spending during elections. First Amendment says not. Um, I generally super, super pro the First Amendment and say, I feel like I have to accept the bits of it I don't like. So if you are going to say you can spend everything you want in an election, why couldn't you say any advert that is placed to any audience has to be publicly listed on the FEC website as soon as it's up? Like, super minor rule. Because then people are accountable. It's easy to do. Um, you might not yeah. get it overnight, but a lot of Republicans could back that. A lot of Democrats could back that. It doesn't require sort of changing the country, changing the Supreme Court. And so you would have at least a tool that journalists, that campaigners, that activists could use to go, hey, 
they're showing this advert to this group, um, like that would be incredibly powerful. If people won't, like if you can't change the law, you can make tools that would at least look for every political advert that someone sees on Facebook during a campaign and auto uploads it so that you could crowdsource it. Um, so you can do stuff on the politics side of things. On economics, we can try and look for a business model that rewards quality more than it rewards hitting a massive audience. And I think, you know, the Financial Times, New York Times, the Washington Post are starting to hit some quite good successes on that. Um, I pick the ones I know. I'm sure there are lots of others who are finding things to do. Um, yeah. And but it just it just all feels so overwhelming especially when, like when you talk about spending like that because they're like we have an amendment that and I think we we put out the show 2 weeks ago uh the Johnson amendment preventing like nonprofits like churches from donating and and that's I I think in the I don't know and I haven't honestly paid much attention to the news because I'm exhausted but uh in the I know in at least in one of the initial tax bills that was like low key repealed and churches can now receive essentially become like dark super PACs and you just funnel money in in through that and and, and so I mean we have we have so much going on, and when we talk like how to go about doing this, there's so much going on, and, and this is something I catch myself doing and still do, is it just feels so overwhelming. You have to say, no, that's bullshit. No, that's bullshit. No, that's bullshit. Instead of, and that's, I mean, that's a short-term solution to say, no, that's dumb, and let's move on to something something better. But, I mean, like like you're saying, I think it's it's far more, it's, it's just from personal mental health it's far better just to say well this is what we need to look for and be i guess be positive about it as opposed to just just having that overwhelming dread of this is a problem that's yeah. never going to go <laughs> to I mean, go like, away at least in the foreseeable future get, get that kind of overwhelming dread sense we get that sense of something but when you look at the whole of a problem all at once you kind of think hell what? i i can't do anything but when you think about something small and specific, but it's always really embarrassing to offer an idea or a specific thing because someone could say, hey, here's why this is bad or here's why it doesn't fix everything. And I hope I've offered some specific ideas. And trust me, I do not think any of them fix anything, everything. But I think we can do them. You know, we can all count to five, I hope. <laughs> I, I'm really losing trust in anything, but you know, maybe. <laughs> but let, let's let's hope. I mean, my my two year old and four year old could both count to five and even higher. You have so an, an everyone else can too. Old, clearly, um, yeah. but you know, we can all decide <laughs> how we talk to our kids and teach our kids. We can all think about, you know, writing to a congressman or something, or trying to you know, help donate to something that would want a specific thing about disclosure of how you spend money. Because obviously widening who can talk and who can lobby during an election can be scary. I'm in the UK where we kind of have the opposite problem where places can spend money during elections, although way less than you guys. Our elections cost less than 20 million, including all donations, really, per party. Um, but our churches and 
a lot of our charities can't talk about many things in the six weeks before an election. And if you're an anti-poverty charity, should you be able right. to say this policy is doing this? I'm kind of inclined to think yes. And so you can have issues in both directions on this. And I'm genuinely agnostic and, you know, it's something I report on. I, I don't say I have the answer on it. But my thing tends to be, what can we do in each system? And in both of them, it's we can disclose more. And I think if you're saying something to any voter, you should say it to every voter. And I think, you know, you can ask candidates to pledge that. You can try and get it enshrined in law. You can help do things like you can find a developer friend who could help you build something to store that. You know, there's been an awesome initiative in the UK for several years, actually led by people in the skeptic movement. Um, I think people who went to QED, actually, just to encourage people to upload election leaflets. Yeah, yeah. So anything that came through their door, just upload it on a website, including their constituency, um, which I've used as a journalist to find really dodgy bar graphs and claims, which is really, that's great. You know, I would love it just all to be there anyway. But in the meantime, we got a pretty good system in the to like tide us over. And so I think, you know, small specifics are better than being paralyzed by the scales of the problems that we're facing. Cause you know, you can look at the world right now and just think, whoa. Yeah. I was what keeping the PG. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it... <laughs> it's, but but you know though i in in your book i feel like you did end on a kind of hopeful positive we can do this sort of note and and i think you're like you're bringing it to a good place with that where you know we we could all admit we're we're kind of part of the problem but yeah and we like, can all decide to be part of the solution it's really easy to kind of and go so, hey all yeah. of this is russia it's like you know what russia has an economy the size of spain's it has a pretty corrupt intelligence agency that has like a fifth of the funding of the U.S.'s ones. If you're the kind of person who would say it's ridiculous to say the CIA runs the world, and I would guess a majority of Americans would say that, I, I, I know plenty would say otherwise, it's pretty ridiculous to like overcredit these guys this much. Yeah, they messed with Brexit, they messed with uh, the, the election last year, we should try and tackle that. But we shouldn't be paralyzed by the sense that there's some unbeatable conspiracy. A lot of what's gone wrong on the internet has gone wrong kind of without any villain behind it. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg cackles at Mike going, you know, I want the public to share fake news. Um, we. He's sleeping uh, pretty well, though, I imagine. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really have no evidence in the way. But, um, but, you know, we don't need <laughs> pantomime villains. Have you seen Facebook's stock price? But, I, th I think that's pretty you good. You know, reassuring as the world is, <laughs> with them is, it's like a lot of what's happened has happened because of people like all of us who didn't have a bad intention in it. And you can kind of go, oh, that's horrible. Well, if, if we just do this to ourselves what can we do? But 
I kind of think that gives us agency again, that makes us in control of this, you know, kind of just like every four years for you guys, every five years for us, we get to go to the polls, we get to change government, you know, we can change the internet every day. Um, we can donate to something, we can write to someone, we can send a tweet differently, we can go on Facebook differently. I like I like the agency. I like to build us up. I you know, and I do think we can fix this. Um, and so yeah, so it's coming to it's coming to something when a British person yeah. is. See, the, I like the that. I like the, the conversation. We're good at being plucky and doomed, but yeah. I, I am yeah. overall optimistic. I, like that. I think we as like regular people can fix a lot of this. Um, and hopefully, hopefully I'm convincing you of that too. <laughs> I know you, you, I'm, I'm convinced. And so we're all in this together. And if any of our listeners, and I'm sure they all do want to find you and your work online, as we kind of wrap this up, where can people find you? Like so Twitter, social media, James where, where can they find UK you? on Twitter, because I have a really common name and that was the best handle I could get. Um, I am jamesarball.com elsewhere on the internet or, you know, hopefully Googling me would work. Um, and if you thought I said anything that was right during this, please do have a look on Amazon or your local bookstore for Post-Truth, How Bullshit Conquered the World, which is slightly, slightly less pessimistic than it sounds. Awesome. And we'll have title, a link to that. But not much. <laughs> No, it's a, it's a fan, it's a fantastic book. I read almost the whole thing on my flight back from QED. So it's Thank you. it has my endorsement. People should read it. So so because that because that's important. My my I'm like Oprah. It's like a book club or something. <laughs> very grateful. You know? People people read the books I tell them to read. Maybe a few people. Yeah, but um, but it's been really nice talking to you, and I feel like we'll be inviting you on another time. We didn't even. The world there, we have is full yeah, we have so much that we wanted to get to too, and we uh, we got derailed There's, before even yeah. I could influence that <laughs> this time. So yes, thank you so much though for giving right. us thank you, know, you like for an having hour me. of your time it's been today. Great fun. This has been awesome talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you. This week, the reason we love the internet is just a, a, a random meme dump on Imager from Loopy44. Just thanks, Loopy44. Entitled, More Vague Images from the Unexplained File. And some of them are, start, we, we start out with a, a man on, it's a, it's a light pole, yeah. uh, like a street light pole that faces either direction. Uh, and a man's just Chilling. taking a nap, yeah, lay, lay, laying at the top. And so you go from uh, that to like, let's spread some Nutella don't on know an how iPhone. He got there, yeah, what he's doing there, yeah, yeah, spreading new, Nutella on, a, on a, <laughs> an iPhone. A, pro- probably the one that made me laugh the most was the the cop in like SWAT gear, sunglasses. He's got like an earpiece in his ear. Uh, he looks very angry, carrying 
two gallons of milk. Yeah, uh, yeah. That... It appears that he's waiting outside a house, and somebody decided to take a picture. And it's just I don't understand what what he's doing. That's the one that before we started this, I said I had to like look away because I was starting to laugh just looking at this dude holding some milk, just holding <laughs> some milk. You know, and then it's a and he looks serious. He looks really serious about his milk delivery. So. I don't know. Maybe that's how. Maybe he. Maybe this is the 2017 milkman. It's a dangerous world out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, um, we we also have a uh, toilet paper dispenser. Uh, looks to be like in a dormitory bathroom of some kind. Uh, but inside of toilet paper, there's a roll of duct tape. So yeah. I feel as though that would be get you cleaner than I don't know. It would take away everything. That would, that would take away everything. Um, there's somebody washing their hair with ketchup and french fries, which just makes me want to vomit. Um, See, that's a stock photo. So somebody requested that at some point, and yeah, I don't, I don't, I just don't. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't either. I mean, there, there's a cigarette on a plastic fork because that's how you smoke in a classy way. Um, it, this is oh, oh, gross. Hellman's mayonnaise spray. <laughs> mayonnaise spray for when breathing is a little too easy. Oh, like that's just the thought of that is is really really disgusting. Um, yeah, so like the the funny thing about this particular link is that in the in the notes, I just I wrote you know that it's a Monday morning and you get an email from Dan that's just that's this. And I, what, hey, this is why yeah, we it's love why the we, internet. Yeah, just simply stating why we love the internet this week, this meme dump thread sent to, what, me and Alice and Emily, right? It's like, happy Monday, Monday yeah. motivation. Here you go. So so that... The the minion behind bars in the field at yeah. night, and it looks way too happy, and who knows what the hell it's doing there. Maybe it has a life of its own, and we just walked in on it, and, and now we're intruding on its own personal space and we should probably get going before before it gets annoyed with yeah, us. Yeah, we should probably get going and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the peanut butter and the jelly on the outside of the sandwich, which is in the next image. So <laughs> I got to go do that. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> so so this is like this this gallery is just an internet-y internet thing because it's fucking ridiculous. So thanks, Dan. And we got a link to it well, in the notes as yes. well. Uh, we also have a link to our Patreon okay. again, patreon.com slash TSE podcast. You get access to early episodes, uh, no commercials and all that stuff. Just like tattoos and bones. Ryan Wimmer, Ryan Wimmer. There we go. Ben Davis, Nathan Dickey, Alice, Cynthia, Michael, Frank, Jeff, Michael, Lizzie in the lab, Magnus, of Hannah, Felix, Chris, Michael, Michael, Sarah, and Josue have done. And uh, even if you don't have the money to give us money, you can still just give us a five-star rating or whatever amount of stars you deem to be appropriate. I think one star is good enough for us because that's what we have. uh, That's what we orbit around. (laughs) But, I mean, five stars would get us uh, listed higher in uh, iTunes and all that stuff. Get more ear holes on our content here, and that'd be great. And it would make Uh, us happy. You can also reach us at podcast. (laughs) It'll make us happy too. Podcast at a scienceenthusiast.com. Uh, what else? Uh, scienceenthusiastpodcast.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, on YouTube. Uh, we're, we're all over the place. You cannot escape us. We will find you. Natalie, hit us with all a right, quote. So this quote comes from the end of our interview guest, um, James Ball's book. And he's talking about how to 
you know, kind of make a difference in our post-truth world by saying, if we're all part of the problem, we can all be part of the solution and we can start whenever we, we like. How about now? So I think that could apply to so many but things. See, now, now it's so right but now. It's, it's getting late yeah. tonight. We have stuff to do tonight, I, but you know, maybe tomorrow? You, you want you on for tomorrow to tomorrow? Uh, maybe. I'm I'm down for tomorrow. I mean, not that I'm really doing any like I'm probably not interneting tonight. Like I'm I think I'm I'm done interneting for tonight. I'm gonna play some video games when we're done here. I'm gonna play some Call of Duty. Yeah, I'm some World War Two on Carl Call of Duty. I'll be Nazis and or uh, allies. I don't know. The game decides. Oh, whatever. I don't know. I don't. So I'll either be killing people as a Nazi or killing Nazis. I mean, either way, somebody somebody's gonna <laughs> die. Way, somebody on the left or right is gonna be gonna be excited about things. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Hashtag progress. Hashtag progress. And next week you can tell us who you killed on your video game. And next week we'll be back with another episode where, like, we think David Alvarado's interview is going to appear next week. We think, but we don't. We're not making any promises anymore on these things. We just know there will be an episode. What will it be? I don't know. Stick around and find out. That's my that's my <laughs> end of the episode clickbait. Like, come back because who knows? We don't even know. We don't we don't know what's going on. Sorry, guys. Just spoiler alert. We have no fucking idea about anything. But they already knew that. Well, it it depends. Yeah, it just depends on if uh, we get talking and then it's more yeah. relevant than uh, not relevant, I should say, but timely, timely because yeah, uh, then... we've we're fortunate to have this sort of evergreen content that we you know can push to other weeks because it, it's always relevant. But um, but yeah, this this particular one that we're putting out, you know, this one that they just heard was timely because Donald Trump is Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, fuck. <laughs> hey, hey, don't be, don't be. I was happy all episode. Me too. No, I, I no. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling I good. Was, In, I, I didn't take yeah. it to a to a negative place at all. No, and, we're good. And, and so I, I was. We're good. Proud of myself for that. So I feel like I grew personally out yeah. there. You know, we we put in the game. Game we plan. executed. Uh, we 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 mm-hmm. prepped. We ex- we had execution. Yeah. Um, we came together you know, as a team, out, uh, right? Uh, it was yeah. really a team effort this week, and so you know we can just uh, listen. You know, listen to the show again. Uh, go back, watch, drink the some tape, Gatorade or something. Uh, plan, yeah. plan again. Yeah. Have some Gatorade. Uh, Re- replenish you know, the maybe, electrolytes. Uh, you know, yeah. just not, just not. It was you know it was a good episode, but let's let's just not. No, rest could always do better. Here. We, we gotta prepare for next prepare week. For we gotta keep our head. Mm-hmm. On a swivel uh, and in you know hit the ball into the score zone. Hit the ground uh, running and, uh, and and score. Just go go team. Yeah, done. Just, Just the, the local because we're gonna su- we're gonna uh, support our local teams. Yeah, yeah. Because tribalism. Because reasons. <laughs> See you guys next week. Um, well, are you get are, you're, you're getting me right? Yo, dog, I get you. You get me. <laughs> like, it just... I don't know why it says requesting microphone access. It, maybe because it's been a minute, and it's like, hey, we need oh, to yeah. be sure that we have consent. Consent to, to get my <laughs> microphone. Should I do it? And... Yeah. All right, so... So, ne- 
you oh. you introduce oh. me. <laughs> God damn Step it. on me. God damn it. This is why we can't have nice things. Okay, go. Alright, so it is time for our new god of the week. So now, after, I know. after we just talked about Fuck, this. Fucking technology. Alright. Um, I, I advise against fucking technology, but uh, Hey, some each, people are into that. To each their own. I don't want to techno shame tech techno shame tech shame tech shame techno techno shame is that's a '90s thing. That's uh, if you like the prodigy or something. Exclusive to the '90s. Yes. <laughs> that was super professional. That's not a, that's not a professional. I was, yeah, that was awesome. The music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight, LLC. All rights reserved.